0: Go ahead and grab your Bibles and open to Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. If you don't know where that is, turn to the back. It's very close to the end. You can follow along in our message this morning also with your bulletin. There's an outline at the back of it. A couple of blanks you can fill in if you really want to do that. You know, you can tell a lot about someone by their name. My name is James Ivan Rodovansky Lehman. My name is James Ivan Radovansky Lehman. For the first 35 years of my life, I told people they had to earn the right to hear that. You guys now know it. I've named James after my dad on my, the dad of my mom, my grandfather on my mom's side. He was a long-time missionary, a long-time pastor, and I guess in some sense I've lived into that name. Now, when I was born, my parents gave me the middle name of Ivan they wanted to remind me and others of my Russian heritage. So James Ivan Rodovansky. When I was in sixth grade, I officially added Rodovansky to my birth certificate. See, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And all of the professional soccer players that were any good had cool last names. I didn't just make that up, though. That was my original family name. Years and years ago, when my great-grandfather came over to the States uh, at Customs, he came through and told them his name, and and they said, sir, you're going to have a hard time finding a job with the last name of Radovansky. So they grabbed a book, they opened it up, and they pointed to a name, and on that day he became a Lehman. And thus, I later became a Lehman. And I became James Ivan Radovansky Lehman. I like my name. It's a good name. And you can tell a lot about someone by their name. It's no wonder that parents will go through the, the months, at least nine months, of excruciating pressure and pain and confusion as to what to name their kid. They've got to name their kid just the right name. I would imagine you guys are shaking your head like, yeah, we just went through it. I mean, debate, dialogue, discussion. And all that's just with you, Christy. And then you throw Tim into the mix, and it's just wild and crazy. Well, some of you in the future may have an opportunity to help name a kid. Maybe it's a grandkid, great-grandkid. Maybe it's your own kid. Maybe it's a niece, nephew, friend. And for those who have the opportunity to help name a kid, because you can tell so much by a name, I want to give you guys 13 tips and tricks on how to name a kid, how to pick that perfect name. These, these tips don't come from me. They come from parents.com. I think they can be somewhat helpful. Thirteen of them. I'm going to go through them pretty quick. The first one they suggested is just blow it off for now. Wait till the kid arrives. Then look at the kid. You'll be able to tell what the name is. I love it. You guys are just agreeing with everything here. <laughs> Number two, they said tell a person or two. Be selective. Don't tell everybody, but tell a person or two and let them help you pick what name would be best. Number three, if you're the wife, play the I'm pushing it out card. (laughs) Come on now. Amen. (laughs) Amen. If you and your husband are debating over what name to call the child, I'm pushing it out. Kind of hard to argue with that one. Number four, they suggested say the name out loud a lot. Say all the names you like out loud a lot. Then something will catch. Number five, they said write it down. Maybe even make a pretend birth announcement and see how the name looks on paper. Number six, host a naming party. That's right, come with three or four of your top names and and then bring your friends together and play games and and then pick the, the name that way. All right, we have parties for just about everything else these days. Why not have one of those? Number seven, go with the one name that makes you smile. When you say it, if it lights you up, use that name. Number eight, make good use of the middle name, especially if you've got a couple names that you like. Number nine, I'm surprised they waited this long to put it on the list, they said call in the experts. And of course, at www.parents.com, they've got a couple of experts that they would suggest. Number ten, put your top picks to a vote online. (laughs) Put it on Facebook. Facebook got to be good for something, right? Number 11, let tradition trump trends. Pick a family name. It'll last. Number 12, they suggested if this is your first child, name your first two kids at your first one, okay? So your husband and wife are debating over what names to use. Name them both, okay? The, The second name, of course, has to be gender neutral because you don't know what the second child will be. And as a wife, hopefully you get your name for the first kid because then you have at least nine months, if not longer, to talk your husband out of the other name. That's number 12. Number 13, they said, if all else fails, go with the alphabet rule. Zach and Ziva will always be at the end of the line at recess. (laughs) The Zemkeys know this. (laughs) (laughs) Abby and Adam will always be at the front of the line. So if something like that matters to you, go with the alphabet rule. Thirteen tips and tricks as to how to pick the perfect name. The people at parents.com realize you can tell a lot about a kid by their name. Now I wonder, did Mary and Joseph ever sit around and debate what name to call Jesus? No, yeah, a lot of you are like, no. Of course not. They had help from an angel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, an angel, I think it was the angel Gabriel, said to Joseph, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Oh, wouldn't it be great if we could all have an angel drop into our room and say, this is what you need to name your next kid. Jesus. Now, the name of Jesus, though, is not the only name that this child from Nazareth was called over his lifetime. And rightfully so. I mean, look look at our kids. They come up with nicknames, names that aren't written on their birth certificate, names that speak to their personality, to some of their quirks. Uh, Jesus, too, had other names. Some were given by prophecy. Others came from the people around him. Still others were from names he called himself. And as we start today our series on 25 names of Jesus, we're going to look at the first name being a name that Jesus called himself. We see this in the very last book of the Bible. You have your Bibles open to it already. Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Words written in red in my Bible, which means that scholars believe these words were spoken by Jesus. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now, the first letter in the classical Greek alphabet is Alpha. That's first. And the last letter in the classical Greek alphabet is Omega. That is last. Thus, we get Alpha and Omega, first and last. This was Jesus' clarification or explanation when he continued on. The same addendum happens in Revelation 21, verse 6. And he said, Also, it is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning. And the end. The Alpha and Omega. First and last, beginning and the end. What does this name tell us about Jesus? Or maybe a better way to ask that question what is Jesus trying to tell us about himself with this name? Could it be that in sharing this name and then explaining it the way he did, could it be that Jesus was quite simply telling us that we need to prioritize him in every area of our life? Could it be that he's trying to tell us to think about himself first thing in the morning and then think about him last thing at night? I mean, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 5, verse 3, Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my requests to you and I wait expectantly. Same psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, 62, I rise at midnight to thank you for your just regulations. Think about Jesus in the morning, first As you begin, think about Jesus in the evening, last thing as you end. Is that what Jesus is trying to tell us to do as he calls himself the Alpha and the Omega? Through the words of John in the book of Revelation, is Jesus saying, Hey, before you go out on Black Friday and hit Huffins and Walmart and Safeway and REI, think about me? Is Jesus saying, Before you go to bed on Christmas Eve after wrapping all the presents? Think about me. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Could it be as simple as that? Maybe. But I think if we settled there, we would be doing a disservice and a severe shortcoming to what Jesus was really trying to communicate to us in calling himself that name. I think Jesus is going so much bigger than just, give me a few minutes in the morning and a few minutes at night. See, Jesus began his self-name proclamation with, I am. I am the Alpha and Omega. Now, in beginning like this, I believe Jesus is declaring he was God. In beginning with I am, I believe Jesus was declaring he was God. You rewind our story about 3,500 years and we're in the story of God telling Moses to go to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And Moses is is being a bit sheepish, a bit squeamish, even a bit bit doubtful. He's trying to do anything he possibly can and trying to figure out any way he can to get out of doing what God wants him to do. So he says to God, God, what what if your people ask me who sent you? What do I tell them? And I love God's response in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations I am God said this is my name to remember for all generations my name to remember for all generations and in revelation 22:13 Jesus declared I am the alpha and the omega maybe this is a stretch Maybe using the phrase, I am, is how anybody would begin the sentence when asked, who are you? Well, I am James, right? Maybe not, because Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega, and that could not simply have been the beginning of a sentence. It was purposeful, and the original audiences would have known that, and they would have known that in Jesus saying, I am, it was him declaring he was God. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, the beginning half of it, God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. You go back to one of Israel's most revered prophets and listen to what Yahweh said, Isaiah 44, verses 6 through 8. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord of heaven's armies, I am the first and the last. There is no other God. Who is like me? He says, let them step forward and prove to you his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times when I established a people and explained its future. Hey, do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purposes for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any other God? No. There was no other rock. Not one. God said. The God of the Old Testament said, I am the first and the last. Sound like anything Jesus said? Uh Uh-huh. I don't think it's an accident that Jesus used the term, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I think this is a bold declaration by him of his divinity. I think it's him saying, I am God. And I think there's more to this. I think in claiming to be God, Jesus is also claiming to be eternal. In claiming to be God, Jesus is also saying he is eternal. Just a moment ago, we looked at the beginning of God's declaration in Revelation 1, verse 8, just the front half. Now listen to the entire verse Revelation 1 8, God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. And it sounds like God is saying he's been around a while and he's not planning on going anywhere. I am the one who is, who always was, who is to come. What did Jesus say he was? the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. You see the connection? I think the original listeners to Scripture would have seen the connection, and I think once again they would have been drawn back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 12. Listen to me, O family of Jacob, Israel my chosen one. I alone am God, the first and the last. God was saying, I am from the start, and I will be in the finish. I am God. I am eternal. So for Jesus to declare what he did in Revelation twenty-two thirteen, 13, to declare he was the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, he's saying, I've been there, and I'm here, and I'm going to be there. I think he's also declaring something more. We've said Jesus was declaring he was God. We've said he was declaring he was eternal. I think Jesus was also saying that he has been rolling out a plan since the very beginning of time. And that plan has included several things, three particular that we'll look at. First, that plan has included Jesus as God and his role in creation. Isaiah 48 again, 12, and this time verse 13. God says, listen to me, O family of Jacob. Israel, my chosen one, I alone am God, the first and the last. It was my hand that laid the earth's foundations. My right hand that spread out the heavens above. When I called out the stars, they all appear in order. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church, in Colossians it said Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. What the prophet Isaiah say? By my right hand the foundations have been laid. By my right hand I spread out the heavens above. Jesus as God Rolling out his plan since the beginning of time, this plan included creation. And it also included something that the scriptures call the nations. Isaiah chapter 41, verses 1 to 4. Listen in silence before me, you lands beyond the sea. Bring your strongest arguments. Come and speak. The court is ready for your case. Who has stirred up this king from the east? rightly calling him to God's service. Who gives this man victory over many nations and permits him to trample their kings underfoot? With his sword, he reduces armies to dust. With his bow, he scatters them like chaff before the wind. He chases them away and goes on safely, though he's walking over unfamiliar ground. Who has done such mighty deeds, summoning each generation from the beginning of time? It is I, the Lord, the first And the last. I alone am he. Did you catch that at the end? I am the first and the last. And did you catch everything before that? Who enables this king to do this and this nation to do that? And who has summoned a new generation, each generation after each generation, towards God's purposes? In declaring who he was, Jesus was claiming to have a role in creation, and I think he was claiming to have a role in the nations as well. And I also think he was was claiming to have a role in the future judgment of mankind. Our key verse for today is Revelation 22, verse 13. We've looked at it a couple times. In context, this verse is set in Jesus talking about his return. Revelation 22, verse 7, Jesus says, look, I'm coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. You jump down to verse 10, and you see John, and he says, this is what he instructed me. Do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. And Jesus says, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I hear hints of Jesus saying there's going to be a time when I declare Some have followed me and others have not. Now these same hints were written by John a couple chapters earlier. Chapter 11 in Revelation, verses 15 and following. John writes, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever And the 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and worshiped him. And they said, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who always was, for now you have assumed your great power and you have begun to reign. Verse 18, the nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead. And to reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people, and all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. It is time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. You catch the part in the middle? We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who always will be. And that part towards the end, it's time for you to judge and reward. I believe that Jesus, in claiming to be the Alpha and Omega, he is claiming to be a part of the plan that God's been rolling out since the very beginning with nature, with the nations, and with the final judgment. How's that for the beginning of an Advent series? Merry Christmas! Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. Amen? Now, I can't stop there. There's one more thing that I think is key that Jesus is declaring when he declares who he is in Revelation 22:13. 13. I be- believe he is claiming as the Alpha and Omega, as the first and the last, as the beginning and the end, I believe Jesus is saying he is the great hope of mankind. He is the great hope of mankind. It's our key verse in Matthew twelve twenty one through this entire series, right? And his name will be the hope of all the world. Back in the prophet Isaiah again, Isaiah 48, verse 12, we've heard this. God says, I alone am God, the first and the last. And then listen to what he says a few verses later, verse 17 and 18. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the paths you should follow. Oh, that you had listened to my commands. Then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling over you like waves in the sea. You hear the hints of hope in that? I mean, maybe you can hear the hints of hope better back in the book of Revelation, where we've spent a, a little bit of our time already. In the first chapter, John is describing his first glance of Jesus. He says this, chapter 1, verse 12 and 13 and following, John says, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like Uh, polished bronze refined in a furnace and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves he held seven stars in his right hand and and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance it's a pretty cool picture huh and then he continues when I saw him I fell at his feet as if I were dead but he laid his right hand on me and he said don't be afraid I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. How's that for hope? Words in red, Jesus speaking, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. Yes, I was dead, but now I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and the the grave. Church of Christ Jesus, there is hope in Jesus being the Alpha and Omega. Amen? Amen. There is great hope in a resurrected Christ. Hope and power over death and the grave. Anticipation of life to come. Not just for Jesus, but for us as well. There is huge hope hope due to the fact that Jesus calls himself the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I think that John wrote with some great anticipation, with some great energy in Revelation 21. I think he could barely contain his pen when he said, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Verse 5, and the one that's sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely of the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. Who said this? The Alpha and Omega. And what was he doing? Living amongst his people. God with us. God himself. How's that for a Christmas story? How's that for Jesus declaring his name? Look, God's home is now here. It's now among you. It's now in you. It is finished, God said. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end to all who are thirsty. Come. And I will give you a drink from the springs of the water of life. There is that hope. And there is that name. You can tell a lot about someone by their name. Jesus declared in Revelation 22 verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. In claiming this, I believe he was claiming to be God. God. I believe he was claiming to be eternal. I believe he was claiming that he has had a part in the plan that's been rolled out from the very beginning, a part with nature, a part with the nations, and a part in God's judgment. I believe that in claiming this, he was saying, I am the great hope. I believe Jesus was saying, I am God with you. So is this a warm and fuzzy Christmas? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it's more about recognizing who came wrapped in flesh. Maybe recognizing what God we are dealing with as we sing about a baby in a manger. Hopefully, studying these names of Jesus over the next 25 days will help shape and reshape our normal warm fuzzy Christmas into a holy awe, a respect, a terror. And in amazement, Jesus said, "I am the Alpha and Omega, and you can tell a lot about someone by their name. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.